Hi, welcome back to the Retro Cinema Review Podcast. This is Scarlett, and this time we are re-watching and reviewing a movie from 1986, The Money Pit. Um, it was actually released in theaters March 26th, 1986. It has a running time of an hour and 31 minutes, not too bad. And it stars what were some major players of the day, Shelley Long, she plays the main female character, Tom Hanks, who, you know, he did a lot of movies, especially in the 80s. He did Big. He also did, in the 90s, a huge hit, Cast Away. Um, and then Alexander Gudnov. I think I pronounced that correctly. If I butchered it, apologies. So Shelley Long plays Anna Crawley. She is a violinist with the symphony, and she is divorced. Walter Fielding is played by Tom Hanks. He's an attorney. He is Anna's boyfriend. Um, he is trying to make amends for his legal clients after his father, who was also an attorney, stole money from these clients prior to leaving the country and getting married in Rio. What's that saying about the sins of the father? <sighs> then we have Max Bressert, who is played by Alexander Gudnov. He's very self-absorbed, self-centered. Um, egotistical. <laughs> he is the conductor of the symphony and coincidentally Anna's ex-husband. So the movie opens on a scene in Rio de Janeiro. You see the silhouette of the Christ the Redeemer statue in Rio with fireworks in the distance and then we zoom in to see a couple getting married in the midst of what appears to be carnival season. Think of like a much bigger version of Mardi Gras. Um, so we see the couple, it's an older white man and a younger woman. Um, he tells her his son has problems because of who his father is. And we hear a man who is looking at a photo of the happy couple say how his father can't come back to New York City and how he used to be a respected attorney. So essentially, the man who is getting married in Rio is Walter Fielding's father, the disgraced attorney who stole from a bunch of clients so he can no longer come back to the States. Sounds like a nice guy. So then we get the obligatory New York City skyline montage, and of course we see the old skyline that includes the World Trade Center buildings, um, which never ceases to be sad, and it always brings up the where were you on September 11th. I don't think that's ever going to go away. Um, frequent reminder of an unspeakable day in history. Um, but then we go on to meet Walter, and as he lays in bed talking to Anna, he tells her he cannot live his life of shame much longer, and she is going to have to make an honest man out of him. Suddenly, a contingent of men burst into the room carrying luggage, and the leader of the group asks why they haven't cleared out, and screams at them, the maestro is back! And he said you could live here for a year, and now a year is over. Walter realizes it's the lunatic. And he is referring to Anna's ex-husband, the world-renowned conductor. So as they clear out, we see Walter attempt to find a place quickly so they're not homeless. He calls a friend and is trying to enlist him in helping find a place. But unfortunately, he and Anna are broke, and it's hard even for millionaires to find apartments in New York City. We didn't see Anna at rehearsal, and that's where we learn officially that she's a violinist. Everyone is abuzz because the maestro is back. When he enters the building, you would think it was like the second coming. Um, 
We then visit Walter at work, <laughs> which is the other end of the spectrum. He is an attorney for a rock band, and he is attending their rehearsal. When afterwards he meets his realtor, Jack, the friend of his that he called earlier, who's running at the track, when he tells Walter, Walter, you need to find $200,000 in cash by the close of Business Friday. Jack has found them a multi-million dollar house for $200,000. Of course, Walter questions why would it be for sale for so little, and Jack says, who cares? You get to capitalize on another human being's misfortune. Classy, Jack, classy. So, <laughs> we then see Anna at lunch with her ex-husband, who is attempting to win her back, and she keeps reiterating, you love you. I love Walter. I love how she tries to smack him in the face with his narcissism and he still doesn't get it. We didn't see Walter in a meeting with a band compromised of drag queens. Um, the band is named Cheap Girls and they want to change their name to Meryl Streep. Walter laughs and says, ah, uh, no, that will definitely be a lawsuit. <laughs> and then we see Walter and Anna escape to go see a man about a house. So they pull up to this house, and it is the epitome of every huge, beautiful, white colonial home you have ever seen. It screams not even suburban perfection, it's bucolic perfection. So they knock on the door, and it is answered by an elderly woman named Estelle. She welcomes them in, says she has sorry apologies you know i've let it go to hell since carlos died um then as they're looking at the house which of course their mouths are agape it's a beautiful home yes it needs work but they can see the potential she can see they're interested in the house so then she kind of starts for you know let's throw some things in here and see if we can get this sold so she offers to sell them the furniture and her reasoning is quote because the goddamn blood-sucking lawyers are bleeding me dry. And Walter, the lawyer, just laughs. <laughs> so then she starts to give Anna the sob story of how Israeli intelligence showed up at the door and informed her that Carlos was Hitler's pool man. At, after they have gone through the house, uh, they leave late that night. She drives them to the train station where they discuss the pros and cons of how this house must have something wrong with it. It seems too good to be true. So they decide to do it together. They're each going to put in half of the money. And just as they decide to buy the house, they hear the train whistle. The train back to the city is arriving and Walter swears it's a good omen. Until the omen train flies right by them without stopping as they continue to stand there on the platform. <laughs> Walter then heads to a client's home to beg for a loan for his half of the house. The owner of this home was artist of the year. He's a kid. He's under 15. He looks like he's about 12, honestly like 12 yesterday, not like, you know, <laughs> 12 going on 13. His entire family works for him. When Walter walks in, his mother, the 15-year-old artist's mother, is on her hands and knees wearing a maid's uniform, scrubbing spots off of the carpeting. And she tells Walter, after her son tells her to get out, she says to Walter, 
I love him. Benny is fabulous. I wish I had a thousand more like him. And walks away with this big smile on her face. <laughs> she may be scrubbing the carpet, but the poor woman seems like a doormat. So then Walter asks for $200,000 in cash as a loan, and Benny says no. Walter then gets mad at him and yells at him and says, Benny, you're going to give me this money. And this poor kid's like, no. And Walter says, I saved you twice that in taxes last year. And if you don't loan me this money, I'll not like you anymore. And all of a sudden, Benny's face changes. That's the hook. Somebody not like him? <gasps> it's like he can't even fathom that. So needless to say, Walter gets his loan. And as he calls Jack the realtor, the entire real estate office cheers to hear that house finally sold. Uh-huh. So now we come to what the 80s was so good at. I think they invented the montage in the 80s because they're fabulous at it. And I must say, I am a sucker for a good montage. It's terrible. This one is the standard moving in, unpacking boxes, man montage, getting settled. Um, we see Walter finding dust in the garage, and he thinks it's cute. And, you know, oh, we get to clean up our house and make it our own. Anna lays down in the middle of the bed and falls through the middle of the bed. She just kind of eh, shrugs it off and, you know, we'll fix that. No big deal. It's an older home. Keep moving. Let's unpack these boxes. Thrilled to death. Bucolic splendor. Walter accidentally locks himself out, so he rings the front doorbell. It sparks in his, under his finger. <laughs> so he decides, again, no big deal. You know, put it on the list to be done. He uses the door knocker. Not only does the door fall, but the entire frame that it's attached to falls into the house. He then attempts to fix a stair riser. And every time he bangs the hammer, plaster falls on Anna's head. So even though small chunks of ceiling are falling down on her, she yells to him, no worries, honey, it's our dream home and a small fixer-upper. We love it. Keep smiling, Anna. So then they decide, now that they are all sweaty from lugging in boxes and doing, you know, little fixer-upper projects, let's take a nice hot bath. So Anna turns on the pipes, and they shake and shudder, rattle, and then a thick brown sludge that in no way resembles water <laughs> comes pouring out of the taps to fill the bathtub. But again, they tell themselves, this house just needs a little care and imagination and a positive attitude. It'll all be okay. As Walter runs up the stairs to help a screaming Anna, who is now being attacked by a raccoon, the entire staircase breaks apart and falls to pieces. <laughs> and this is, in fact, one of the funniest scenes because it's like he's running in slow motion and the stairs are collapsing under him. Truly, you have to go and watch these movies because it's unbelievable. So as a thunderstorm rolls in that night, the two lovebirds settle in on the mattress that they've pulled onto the floor because, remember, Anna jumped on the bed and the frame broke earlier. No big deal. And, of course, the storm sounds really close. The rain, like, wow. 
they turn on the light and realize that the roof is Swiss cheese and they are going to be rained on all night long as they sleep. So the next day we see a new mattress being delivered and Walter's calling around trying to secure a plumber. So in walks a carpenter who wastes no time in sexually harassing poor Anna, referring to her as, quote, good-looking wool. So after chastising him and then realizing he's the carpenter, one of the only guys who will come all the way out to where they live, and he has brother who's a plumber, they decide he can stay. Anna decides to sit out the negotiations with the misogynistic sexual harasser, oh, I'm sorry, the carpenter, and goes to make dinner, where she marvels at how they have gas and electricity. Two out of three isn't bad, because remember, our water still isn't working. So after talking to Walter and looking at the house, the carpenter tells him to repair the house. It'll take two weeks, and they'll start as soon as Walter's check clears. But both Walter and Anna agree that despite all of the problems and in spite of the prospect of indentured servitude for the rest of their lives and debt beyond their wildest dreams, they love the house. So as they heat water to fill the bathtub and bathe, we get a spectacular view of the catastrophic breakdown of the electrical in the kitchen. You watch sparks go basically through the wires in the wall and affect everything on the way including kitchen tiles popping off and a turkey flying through the window as if it's been catapulted so now that the turkey has been catapulted into the backyard we decide to forego dinner and Walter brings the last of the heated water to the bath, and as they pour it in to fill the tub and finally take a nice hot bath and at least feel clean, the clawfoot tub falls through the floor to the entry below. And as they stand there looking through the hole in their floor, Walter loses it. He just starts this maniacal laughter as he sits and stares at it in the hole in the floor. Like, what else can go wrong? We then see Walter sitting and bemoaning the cost of repairs and the sketchy contractors he's been forced to hire because it's all he can afford. And also, don't forget, as he said earlier, the only people who will come all the way out to where they live because they're kind of far out. I mean, they're not even suburbs. It's bucolic. It is like the boonies, as they say. Um, but Anna says, no worries, she'll help with their bills, and she has some things that she can sell. She wants to kind of do her part. The next morning, a huge contingent of what appears to be a biker gang arrives on their front porch. Right in the middle of all this chaos and noise is the contractor, and he says he's ready to work. He tells Walter, listen, your number came up in the drawing this morning. We work today. He also says if there's anything living that's in the house, he would get it out. We then see Anna's plan to sell some items. She is speaking with Max about buying some of the items that she received in the divorce. Um, and it looks like it's going to be a little bit of an ongoing negotiation. <laughs> we then see poor Walter arrive home that night 
to what appears to be just a disaster. There's siding missing from the house. There's piles of dirt and trash. And the contractor tells him they'll be back to finish the job once they get permits. Everything will be done in two weeks, though. No worries. Of course, Walter realizes he missed the permit man earlier in the day. So Walter calls him and begs him to return that evening so they can begin work on the house. The permit man agrees to come for an additional fee. And as Walter counts out the cash he has on hand, so he's able to pay not only for the permits, but also this additional fee, he slowly starts sinking into the floor of the den, which is on the second story of the house, thanks to a large hole that was covered by a huge area rug. As he slides into the hole, the rug goes with him, trapping him up to his chest in the hole in the floor. Um... Again, it's something that you have to see. I can't really do it justice. But basically, when you look at him in the floor, you see his arms and you see the carpet all kind of puckered up around him. And then if you were to go downstairs and look up, you see a hole in the floor with something stuck in the carpet, which is Walter's, basically his body and his two legs. So as he's stuck in this hole in the floor, unable to free himself, we hear the permit man arrive downstairs. He's pounding on the door, yelling and screaming, and he's truly angry at being stood up for the second time that day. And poor Walter, who is powerless to do anything because he's stuck in the floor, starts amusing himself by singing the name game and making parapet airplanes out of the cash he was counting to pay the permit man. Now, I know you know the name game because we all played it as kids. So, just a little history on the name game. Um, It was released as a single in late 1964 by a singer named Shirley Ellis. Um, This was not like a one-hit wonder thing. Um, Shirley had an R&B career for at least seven years, excuse me, ten years prior to the name game coming out. Um, It was released on Congress, which was the label who released it. Um, It has been used countless times. The most recent thing I can think of was, I believe, season two of American Horror Story Asylum. And it is the rhyming sing-song where you insert anyone's name. So Walter starts starts singing it, and he sings... Anna, Anna, Bobana, Banana, Fana, Fofana, Fifa, Momana, Anna, as she starts walking in the door. So she had finally arrived home thanks to a truck driver who gave her a ride from the station, and he questions, are you testing missiles in this house? Due to the shocking state of it. Um, Anna is surprised. She comes in the house and is looking for Walter and He's yelling, I'm in the den, and she, you know, sticks her head in there, doesn't see him, and she's like, no, you're not, you're playing with me, and he's like, yes, I am, I swear, come around the chair, till she finally sees him. And of course, as she's trying to help him get out of this hole in the floor, she pulls the rug until it gives way, and he slips through the hole in the floor and falls to the first floor below. So, of course, we get some more montages of how the work is progressing. 
Um, again, 80s and montages. Um, we see there appears to be more siding on the house. They have a new staircase. Um, perfectly rebuilt, serviceable. Walter is just tickled to death and runs up and down it a few times once it's installed because he no longer has to climb a ladder to go to bed every night. Um, Anna is thrilled to death to find out one morning that the plumbing has been fixed and she can actually turn on a faucet and get water. So just like with Walter running up and down the stairs, she's thrilled to death, turns the water off and on, fills a bucket. She's just tickled. But then we see Anna at work with the symphony and she has begun smoking again. Um, her ex inquires as to how she is. She tells Max that Walter is out of town. She does not want to go home to that house alone. It's just too stressful. So he invites her to dinner at his home, and she accepts but tells him that she is not going to bed with him. She awakens the next morning in Max's bed and states that she does not remember much of last night. Um, Max doesn't really say much. He doesn't confirm nor deny. He just kind of lets her think what she's going to think. We then see Walter arrive home via a very interesting pizza delivery VW bug that's covered in moving lights. <laughs> he asks how Anna's evening was and states that he called while he was out of town, but she wasn't home and she never answered the phone. Don't forget, this was 1986. This is before cell phones, before everyone carried a cell phone. And... If you weren't home, you didn't get the house phone. Um, he, then he flat out asks if she slept with Max, and she denies it. Uh, Walter has a hard time letting the subject go and wakes her in the middle of the night to ask her again and confesses that he's very jealous of Max. Anna denies it, and they turn off the light and go back to sleep. But her conscience weighs on her, and then she awakens Walter to tell him she slipped and slept with Max. A huge fight ensues, and they state that they each want nothing to do with the other. Now, it seems to me that she just admitted to something that she doesn't actually have confirmation of. But okay, moving on. So the next morning, Walter wakes up in the dining room table, which is actually a ping pong table, whatever, and all of the workers are there and speculating on what happened. We then see Miss Anna come downstairs impeccably dressed in a red dress and heels and tells Walter, now is not the time to talk. She is mad and getting madder. And Walter says, well, let's end this. I'll pack you a bag. I'm sure you won't have trouble finding a bed. Anna says he is not throwing her out of her house and she has worked, slaved, and suffered for this house just as much as he has. So after trading insults back and forth, they both assert that they are not leaving their house, so they come to a resolution. It's a big house. They'll divide it up. Anna states, that's a dumb idea, which leads to my favorite quote in this entire movie. <laughs> Anna looks at Walter and says, that is such a stupid idea. Sometimes I am amazed you passed the bar. Walter responds, I'm sure it does. You've never passed a bar in your life. Anna gets flustered and then decides they will stick it out until the house is finished, sell it, get their money, and get the hell away from each other. She now notices all of the construction workers who have been standing around following this entire fight blow for blow, and she yells to them, Get back to work! It's actually pretty good. 
We then see Max come to visit Anna because she missed a rehearsal. Um, she confesses she told Walter what happened, and it's over. Max is upset when she says she's leaving the symphony, and Max confesses that she slept in the bed and he slept in the living room. They did not have sex. Max confronts Walter and tells him he has thrown away a wonderful woman and someone like Max can get over it because he's shallow and self-centered. But Walter, Walter is complex. So again, we get a montage and we see the house slowly being finished and the construction workers begin to thin and slowly disappear until only the general contractor is left. He comes down the stairs and tells the two of them that there were times when he thought they might never get it put back together. He leaves the house key on the banister and states it wasn't easy, but the foundation was good, and if a foundation is good, everything else can be fixed. And that, my friends, is the metaphor for this relationship, I believe. Hmm. So as both Walter and Anna head upstairs to collect their personal belongings, Walter stops to contemplate the step where it all started going to crap. And he looks at Anna and tells her that she slept with Max and he cares, but not enough for them to be apart. She confesses that she did not sleep with him. They kiss, and then the scene melts into their outdoor wedding, of course, in front of the house. After all of that work, of course, you have to get married at this house. <laughs> the symphony is in attendance, complete with Max, and they are playing as well as Walter's rock star clients and the bridesmaids for the wedding in pink. Remember the drag singing group at the beginning, Cheap Girls? <laughs> they are the bridesmaids, and they bemoan, always a bridesmaid, never a bride. We then see one final scene as we cut to a shot of Rio, where Walter's father and his new wife are saying how the house is a steal and a man tells them to buy it or not. In the distance, we hear someone calling the man, Carlos, come on, Carlos. And lo and behold, who is the woman calling Carlos? But Estelle, the same one who sold the money pit of a house to Walter and Anna has now sold a home to Walter's father and his new wife. So, thus ends another great 80s movie. Um, it has all the 80s fabulous montages you could ever want. It is missing the standard, um, you know, personal style makeover. But overall, I think it was a great movie. It's really fun. I hate to say it, but watching all of the problems in the house kind of go to crap is actually pretty funny. Um, With that said, thanks so much for joining me. Um, come back as we continue to watch Big Love episode by episode and revisit some older 80s movies. Um, if you have any suggestions um, on any movies or TV shows that I should watch, send me an email at retrocinemareviewpod at gmail.com. Um, subscribe on all of podcatchers, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Um, find us on social media so you can see what's coming up next. 
And until next time, if you don't have anything nice to say, come sit next to me. Bye.